Our galactic affirmation of faith comes from Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 8. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is one true church, apostolic and universal, whose holy faith let us now declare. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? No! In all things we are more than conquerors through the one who loved us. We are sure that neither death nor life nor diathem or dark force entities nor powers no height nor depth or anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Jesus Christ our Lord thanks be to God amen This is Hip Hop Pastor D, spiritual leader of The Method and Evangelist, and I am thanking God because I'm with you because I'm learning about how to make faith a lifestyle, and today we are going to cover Holy Club question number 20. Do I consistently criticize? Am I jealous? And do I hold contempt for anybody? If so, what am I doing about it? And today we are collectively going to talk about haters. 
and positively Chrissy and myself we were blessed to have the world-renowned opera singer Kristen Lewis who is a native of Little Rock Arkansas come and speak with youth young adults and adults from the city and the suburbs about dealing with haters and this question is based on Ephesians chapter 6 verses 10 through 18 and as always we just want to just thank people who inspire us to do this ministry and the two organizations that we want to thank God for as always is Disney because we use Marvel to teach systematic theology and how to apply the Wesley Holy Club questions in biblical Bible stories and we use Lucasfilms to teach and acts of the apostles Bible study so we really want God to bless Disney because without Disney we just would not be able to effectively reach out to youth 16 years old and older young adults college students and their parents where they are especially if they don't attend church on a regular basis and the artists that we want God to bless as always John Williams the Arkansas Razorback Marching Band Lil Durk Quavo Rihanna and Drake C Murda Snoop Dogg and DJ Khaled and of course we want God to bless the artists whose music that we'll be featuring on this podcast and that is Justin Bieber Kristen Lewis, Harry Styles, and the Kid Leroy. So we want God to bless these people. Yes, abundantly and richly according to God's will because we appreciate the inspiration that we receive through them. To God be the glory.
could've got this right So here I go, oh Can't make a wife out of a Oh, I'll never find a word to say I'm sorry But I'm scared to be alone You cut out a piece of me And now I bleed internally Left here without you I told you that I never would I told you I'd change Even when I knew I never could Know that I can't find nobody else as good as you I need you to stay Need you to stay I get drunk, wake up, I'm wasted still I realize the time that I wasted here I feel like you can't feel the way I feel If you can't be right
always, the staff and the crew of the Method want to be responsible and let parents know that there is a parent advisory for the Method. We are out to reach college students and young adults using hip-hop music, Marvel, and Star Wars. And we want to reach people where they are. Some of the lyrics in our songs that we play are explicit and the subject matters that are covered in our Disney fan fiction are explicit when it comes to language, sexuality, partying, use of drugs, dealing with relationships, and violence. We're between the PG-13 rating and TVMA. I'm just keeping it real because if you're not 16 years old or older, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, please ask for permission to listen to the method. And if you're an old-fashioned Christian, it's okay if you listen to something else because we don't want to offend you. This isn't the church show for you. It's all right. We don't want to upset you because we are mindful that God loves everybody everywhere and can reach people in a whole bunch of different ways. copyrighted form of ministry evangelism discipleship and polity of the staff and the crew of the method but we use the holy club questions for sermons biblical storytelling newsletters podcasts community forums congregational care small group studies mentoring groups for young adults and to learn how to apply the bible to our lives now, PK's favorite way to use the method is when we use these questions for community forums with the youth and young adults of the community. Dark Deidre's favorite way to use these questions is when we use these questions for Saturday Vesper. But my favorite way of using these questions is when I visit the sick and the shut-in. And I use these questions as topics of discussion. Everything that we do with the method is based on the 22 questions of personal reflection of John and Charles Wesley when they were students at Oxford. And there are 30 copyrighted ways that these questions can be used in ministry in the local church, in schools, both public and private, and at colleges and universities. Positively, Chrissy and I submitted to the U.S. Copyright Office a 60-page document on how these ways have been discovered over a period of 10 years. Yes, the purpose of the method is to use our unique gifts and graces to do our part to make disciples for Jesus Christ. And we use pop culture hip-hop and current events to reach young adults college students and their parents where they are because we know that god wants to have a personal relationship with you because god loves everybody everywhere 
All right, we are back. Yes, we are. We want to thank God for our ministry and our congregation for listening. And we hope that we inspire you to want to live by the G code. If you're listening with us for the first time, well, I guess what we need to do is tell you exactly what the G code is. The G code is just our way of living out the general rules of John and Charles Wesley. We had to put a new spin on them with some wise words in order to live by them. So we live and die by this. We do everything we can to do no harm. We strive to do as much good as we can. And we show that we are doing this by being good people and neighbors. And that is the G-Code. And guess what? If you're down with the method, you can live and die by the G-Code too. If you want to transform your life and community, just start with the G-Code and go from there. More is coming up next, so we want you to keep it locked right here. Just make them drop dead, you a kid 
Chances are, <laughs> you're a hater or you've been one. So that's an issue that our youth face today and deal with in this day and time. But we have someone that has dealt with some haters and has come out on top. And she is here today to give us some advice on how to rise above our haters. But before I introduce our empowerment guest for today, I have some quotes from some famous people about haters. Trying to get everyone to like you is a sign of mediocrity. That's from Colin Powell. When there's so many haters and negative things, I really don't care. Believe it or not, that one comes from yours truly, Kim Kardashian. No matter what happens, you're always going to have those critics and those haters. You just have to learn how to deal with that. I think I have and accept that. That's from Tim Tebow. I'm gonna go out into the audience and see what kind of feedback that I can get from the quotes that I just heard. So, who do we have here? My name's Jesse Dane. All right, so Jesse, let me ask you this. So, what do you think about that? Have you ever dealt with any type of haters or haterism in your life? Plenty. Plenty, so give me an example. Ninth grade year through 11th grade, I was dealt with a lot of haters, bullied a lot, and just people giving me a lot of crap just for you being who you are, right? Yep. See, a lot of times people think that being different is an issue, it's a problem. So they hate on you, they talk about you and do all sorts of things to make people not like you or even resent you, and all you are doing is being yourself. Which if more people were being themselves in the world today, I think it would go a lot better and things would be a lot smoother. What's your definition of a hater? Somebody that doesn't like you. Okay. Basically, same thing. Somebody that doesn't like you um, for whatever reason, or it could be just that a lot of you all are school age, so even if you get good grades, you might have somebody hating on you because you're smarter than they are. Um, could be prettier than they are. Your hair might even flow a little bit better or shine a little bit more. I don't know. But yeah, basically a hater is somebody that is going to down you and talk about you um, just because you are quite different from them. All right, so it's time for me to introduce our empowerment guest for today. And you know what? I am so excited about meeting her simply because she has a beautiful first name. Her name is Kristen Lewis, and she's also known around the world as Aida. And as you can hear the music playing softly in the background, I'm sure you're like, oh my God, what is that? Well, guess what I'm going to tell you. Kristen Lewis is listed in the Encyclopedia of Arkansas History and Culture as one of the premier sopranos in Europe. Now, she's the daughter of Reverend Betty Lewis, 
ordained elder in the Tennessee Conference of the United Methodist Church, and Dr. Raphael Lewis, professor of political science. Now she is a graduate of Lawrenceburg High School in Lawrenceburg, Tennessee, where she was a cheerleader and on the track team. Upon graduating from high school, she followed her sister, Reverend Dr. Tamara Lewis, onto the University of Central Arkansas and got a Bachelor's of Arts degree in voice under the direction of Dr. Martha Antolik. Now she went to graduate school at the University of Tennessee and has a Master's in Voice Performance. She made her opera debut in 2005 in Germany and has been known as a leading lady in opera houses in Italy, Austria, and abroad. Now her claim to fame is her performance in Aida and she also does vocal solo performances in Paris, Russia, France, Italy, and various other venues throughout Europe. So you have to stand on your feet, make a lot of noise. Please audience, help me welcome our esteemed guests. Please put your hands together for the fabulous Miss Kristen Lewis. Hi, Kristen. I'm fine. Thank I love you. it. I love it. I love it. Okay, so I'm going to go ahead and get into some things because a lot of our audience members are younger. Mm -hmm. So they don't know necessarily about you. And I, as they were listening to the opera music, they were looking like, huh, that's not Lil Wayne. Talk to them a little bit, and me as well, and our audience, uh, listening audience, uh, about you. What was it like growing up in Little Rock? Well, I think I pretty much had a very normal childhood. I grew up in the church. Um, and what was normal for all of the youth in the church was uh, to sing in choir and to be involved in the various youth programs at church and we all did that and we all enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. It was not only an outlet um, of expression, it was also a lot of fun. What was it like then being a, a PK? I don't think that it was any different than each of us in, in my neighborhood, in my community, having a family that is deeply religious, I didn't feel any different because I grew up in a community where everyone went to church. Each of our parents was a support system. We all grew up together. So although I am the daughter of a minister, it was, many of my friends were also children of ministers and we all went to church and worshiped at each other's churches. So it's quite normal. Okay, well, let me ask you this, since you have been surrounded by professors and also pastors um, your entire life, mm -hmm. have you ever thought about becoming a professor in your craft? Well, you know, I think that we're all blessed with gifts, and I think the gift of teaching might have passed me by. <laughs> okay. I do like working with children. I like working with people. I like sharing the gifts that I have. I like to think that I touch lives in other ways, and teaching, specifically teaching, not so much, but that's okay. Let me ask you about your career and kind of how you even got on that journey. What was that point where you said, this is what I want to do? To be quite honest, I think when I started graduate school, I wasn't quite sure. And it was, it was almost kind of like a light bulb moment after praying about which direction I should go. Um, and the revelation came through realizing that the constant throughout my life um, had always been music. I grew up singing choirs. I grew up taking piano lessons and um, 
grew up listening to different genres of music and so it was just always a constant and it was actually more of a sigh of relief in realizing that the thing that I was supposed to do was the thing that had always been there. Now as an African American woman, how difficult has it been or was it even at all for you to say, I'm not going to be an R&B singer, I'm going to do opera? The short and easy answer is no. Um, ethnicity never played a role. Um, I did not allow for that to be a, a barrier just because it, it was never even a choice. I don't feel as if I chose opera, I feel as if it chose me in that once I entered undergraduate school and just as a form of habit joined the concert choir um, under the director of Mr. John Irwin and began studying voice with Dr. Martha Antolik, uh, we discovered that my voice was best suited for opera and that was a joy. It was, it was, it was an interesting thing and I welcomed it. Although I enjoyed singing very much. I didn't strive necessarily to go in one direction more than the other. I just enjoyed singing. It was really kind of exciting to figure out what my voice was best suited for. And I think I was very fortunate to be surrounded by people who nurtured that. Let's talk a little bit about the places that your voice has taken you. Um, as I was sharing with our listening audience, you have been some of everywhere. What was it like, especially coming from Little Rock and now being in places you possibly never even thought you would even go to? What What is that like for you? Uh, I can probably say that it comes from a place of honesty, is the best way to put it. Throughout each step in my journey, I've honestly asked myself, where am I supposed to be? What direction am I supposed to go? And I tried very much not to get ahead of myself. While in graduate school, I was very fortunate to meet the voice teacher that I study with now, who lives in Europe. And after completing my master's degree, I decided initially just to go to Europe to work with this teacher. And this was without knowing which direction this would take me. But I knew that I needed to study, and I wanted to study, and so I gave myself a year to work with this teacher and really immerse myself in what I believed I should be doing with my life, which was pursuing opera. And one opportunity kind of led to the other. A door was open with each step, taking each step, believing, trusting that this was what I was supposed to do. Because I was only focused on the immediate next step, I wasn't really looking at the bigger picture. And with new, each new opportunity, I wasn't taking the step back to say, wow, I can't believe I'm about to go you know, to Italy, or I'm, I can't believe I'm about to go to Paris. I was more focused on what I was going to do, the lives I was going to touch, this gift that I had been given. And so it's really, it always kind of surprises me when I hear someone else talk about the things I've done, because I never think about it in terms of the big picture. I, I always think it, of it in terms of the small steps. about all the work and hard work that went into you getting to where you are now. Our audience today goes from a wide age group and many of them may not even know what they want to do or where they want to go and many don't even know about hard work <laughs> to get to where you need to be. I think I, I've heard some of you had to learn a lot of different languages also in order to be 
um, that opera singer. So what kind of hard work did you have to do and then what advice would you give to our young audience too that is thinking about taking on whatever type of dream and making it into their own reality? Well, if I were to speak in terms of advice, it would start with start with what you're most passionate about. What are you interested in doing? What do you like doing? I think that's where it starts. And if you're if you start there with what you're interested in, then it's about figuring out what is the most realistic goal, immediate goal, based on what I'm interested in that I can achieve. And working towards that. And once you achieve that, deciding, okay, what can I do next? Not being afraid to ask for help, for help from people around you, and setting a series of small goals. We do have some more questions, but we have to, of course, pause for the calls and pay some bills. Before we even go into that, I have to ask our listening audience, do you like the method? All right, that's right, let our listeners know. We'll be back in just a moment. You are listening to The Method Real Talk for Real People. All of our sound effects that we use and we got from free downloads from YouTube.com. Just want to make sure everyone knows that. You know, the Bible tells us uh, not to covet what others have. It's one of the, the commandments. How often do you find yourself or others uh, falling, uh, falling short on this or having the issues with coveting things that are not ours? A lot of times I'll see girls who, like, I grew up with and, like, I know how mean they can be. And then I see them with, like, a bunch of friends looking really pretty, getting all the boys, and it's just like... Okay, but who was mean to me March 3rd, 2007, okay? You're the worst. Like, that's one thing that I struggle with is I hold grudges. So it's like, you could have said one mean thing to me in like third grade and I'd be like, okay, but still, remember you stole my pencil? That was a good pencil too, it was a mechanical pencil. And it's, it's a problem. Uh, all right. I hear my friend going to like Mexico for New Year's and Colorado for Christmas. And I'm like, why can't I go to those places, go out and have fun in like Los Angeles and stuff like that where she goes? Yeah, I think that's one of my big ones personally is, uh, you know, thinking, I, you know, I, I have like my brother or someone that, you know, uh, or someone in my family talking about, oh, we're taking a trip to Alaska or we're going doing this and I'm going to, over here. And I know I find myself saying, man, I wish I could go do all those things too. You know, and it's true. I think that's one of my biggest things is, is those experiences coveting going to do to different places like that people get to go to. I know last year. Um, my brother did really good at his job and it, as his perk for doing good at his job, he got to go to Hawaii. They sent him on a trip to Hawaii. The perk for my job, it just happened to be the same week, is my kids got to bring home palm branches from Palm Sunday. So my brother got palm trees and I got palm branches. Now, if I think about it, like I would never want to trade jobs. I don't want his life. I really don't. I don't want his job as much as perks as he get. I love my job, but it's so easy to get sucked into that and to get bitter about it. Already. So Palm Sunday, y'all can have all the palm branches you want. 
what prevents you or what helps you keep from becoming a hater? What, uh, what in your life helps you from becoming or going to that place? Um, remembering how it felt when people hated on me. Okay. Not wanting to cause that on someone else and have them feel like I felt before. Okay. Dylan? One thing that really helps me is noticing how happy people get whenever you're genuinely nice to them. Like, randomly complimenting someone's outfit because you genuinely think it's cute. Like, people get so surprised. They're just like, whoa, th thank you. Mm -hmm. And it, it's just such a nice feeling knowing that you're making other people happy. I've noticed that a lot recently, that I've been trying to push myself to do that instead of hating on people because it's like, man, that outfit's cute. I wish I had that. You know, like, it's, yeah. it's two sides no, that's the same good. coin. Instead of doing that, go up to them and tell them, hey, I really like your outfit. I, I'm I think, taking your boots, Dylan. <laughs> I, I think another way that we can, you know, not hate on other people is to be thankful for what we have ourselves. You know, I mean, we, as ourselves, are, are blessed to have what we have. There's so many people that don't have things like homes and clothes and things like that. And so to be truly thankful for what you have can really make you not be jealous of other people. Um, I, first of all, I appreciate everybody's uh, testimony today because it's we've heard people talk about what it means to be hated on and how people ended up being haters themselves. But one thing that I noticed in both conversations is how somehow somebody initiated reconciliation. And I think that's a good thing. And when we think about being a hater, or being hated on, I think that it just really comes down to one word and that's love. If we really love God like we profess that we do, we wouldn't do half the things that we did to other people. Holding me back I want you to hold on
refinement um, of opera. I would think that everyone would be very polite and courteous and everyone is just smiling and talking, but is it a cutthroat industry just like anything else? <laughs> well, people are quite polite on the surface, but it is quite competitive. I mean, because you have to imagine that for every opera um, production, you might have eight lead roles. For those roles, you, you have an, um, an imaginable number of people trying to get those eight roles. And so it is competitive. But, you know, I've always had this uh, way of thinking. My, my approach to that has always been my only competition is myself. And so I have to strive to be better than I was the time before and not worry so much about who else may want to sing the roles that I'm singing, but focus on being the best Christian I can be. Okay, so and and being the best that you can be, um, even with and I, I say this for our for our audience, you know, right now they're at an age where they're trying to figure out what they want to do and how to be the best them. So they come in contact a lot with their peers who hate on them, or just because that's not their dream, they may tell them, "Oh no, you don't need to do that. Why would you do that? Do this." or do something else. So have you ever come in contact with anyone that was ever overly critical, like of your performances, or critiqued you to the point that you even went, my way to minute now? Basically, a lot of what you said is what I've applied. Both things have happened. I think it's inevitable to face criticism, but I think it takes determination and basically the decision to say, you know, this is who I am. This is what I'm supposed to do. And just basically not acknowledge it. I mean, if you allow it into you, then you have to deal with it. If you allow negativity inside of you, you have to deal with it. If you don't allow it inside of you, you don't have to deal with it. We're going to take another quick break. So make sure that you stay right here to The Method Real Talk for Real People.
we are back again. This is the Method Real Talk for real people. And you know today's show has been talking all about those haters. But we have been so, so, so excited. And we've been so blessed to have Miss Kristen Lewis with us here. She's come a very long way to talk to us about her life and just how to deal with what our topic is today, haters. So again, Miss Lewis, thank you so much for taking time to come and talk to us it's today. My pleasure. Um, but I'd like to ask you, um, before we round out our interview today, is there any advice that you would like to leave with our young audience as far as them turning their dreams into reality and getting past the roadblocks that they may encounter in life. Yes, believe in yourself. Take the gifts that you've been given and push them. Push yourself and push those around you to help you be all that you can be because it's up to you. If you don't do it, no one else will. And if you don't do it, we all miss out on your talents. So go for it and don't let anybody stop you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for being with us today. Wait a minute. What is... What? I hear a lot about sinners don't think that I'll be a saint But I might go down to the river Cause the way that the sky opens up when we touch it It's making me say That the way you hold me, hold me, hold me, hold me, hold me Feels so holy, 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 holy Cause the way you hold me, hold me, hold me, hold me, hold me Feel so holy I don't do well with the drama And no, I can't stand it being fake No, 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 no I don't believe in Nirvana But the way that we love in the night gave me life, baby I can't explain it The way you hold me, hold me Cause the way you hold me, hold me, hold me, hold me, hold me Feels so holy The first step pleases the Father Might be the hardest to take When you come out of the water I'm a believer, my heart is fleshy Life is short with a temper like Joe Pesci They always come and sing your praises Your name is catchy But they don't see you how I see you Parlay and Desi I wanna honor, wanna honor you Rise groom, I'm my father's child I know when the son takes the first step The father's proud If you make it to the water He'll part the clouds I know he made you a snack like Oscar Proud Suffer it to be so now Gotta clean it up Formalize the union and communion he could trust I know I ain't leaving you like I know he ain't leaving us I know we believe in God and I know God believe in us You hold me, hold me, hold me, hold me, hold me Feel so holy, 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 holy Oh God, run into the altar like a track star Can't wait another second, oh God 
Our scripture lesson for today comes from Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 18. I'll be reading from the New Revised Standard Version. Hear now the words of the God of the angel armies. The whole armor of God. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his power. Put on the whole armor of God so that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For our struggle is not against enemies of blood and flesh, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God so that you may be able to withstand on that evil day and having done everything to stand firm stand therefore and fasten the belt of truth around your waist and put on the breastplate of righteousness as shoes for your feet put on whatever will make you ready to proclaim the gospel of peace with all of these take the shield of faith which you will be able to quench all the flaming arrows of the evil one Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Pray in the Spirit at all times, in every prayer and supplication, to keep that in alert and always persevere in supplication for all the saints. The Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. please may I pray for us thanks be to God for our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ for all the sins you've taken away from us and all the insults and injury that you bore for us oh merciful God the Father Son and Holy Ghost may I know you more clearly follow you more nearly and love you more dearly day by day these three things I pray day by day Amen now this passage of scripture is a scripture that I've always enjoyed preaching as a pastor because every time I've had the opportunity to preach this passage of scripture I always use superhero illustrations because it just feels like every time when that scripture is read and I hear it I feel like I'm receiving superhero training that I'm being prepared to fight larger than life monsters I get energized every time I hear this passage of scripture read because it reminds me that being a Christian isn't a social status it's an action now when we look at our scripture John Wesley and the Jewish New Testament scholars that I always use to analyze and read and interpret scripture they have a lot of interesting things to say about this passage of scripture now Paul is addressing the church at Ephesians like he's talking to soldiers I mean it's obvious when you read the passage of scripture because 
Paul wanted the congregation to be strong because prolonged weakness would allow for the church to perish. And that's the reason why Paul referenced Joshua the way that he did at the beginning of the passage of Scripture. When we look at verse 11, Paul is telling us that we don't need a partial armor on. We need to put on the whole armor of God because this was something very important that Paul said because he said it multiple times when Paul says put on the complete armor of God again it's mentioned in verse 13 now when we look at verse 12 this comment was to help people with weak temperament really understand what was going on and since we're dealing with forces and situations beyond our control that shows that incarnated evil exists in the world and these people and situations are going to constantly oppose faith love holiness and in return foster unbelief pride idolatry malice envy anger and hatred this was what was going on and this is what still is going on today not only is this a message for the church at Ephesians but this is a message that Paul is telling us right here right now because look at the world so if we continue to go down further in the passage according to John Wesley Paul is saying that the war rages on where the evil and the violence varies from day to day. That's why Paul encourages us to keep alert, be still, watch and pray, according to John Wesley, because our goal should be to be able to stand before God with joy. So that means, in other words, we need to be vigilant, and do all that we can to fight the good fight so that when we stand before God we know that we didn't cause that calamity we fought against that craziness verse 14 it just breaks down something that we need to be ready for and we need to always be ready with the truth of the gospel because without God's word we can't be ready and we can't be obedient effectively in faith and love if we don't see Jesus will present us blameless before God it's not what we do that's going to allow for us to stand in front of God with joy it's what Jesus has done that gives us the ability to be able to do that because we are justified by faith now when we go to verse 15 we need to study the Word of God so that the Holy Spirit can order our steps this is what verse 15 is saying because the gospel is the good news of peace so our most effective weapon is the Word of God and that faith in that love that weapon can penetrate 
some of the darkest of hearts, especially if the person is receptive to the correction that they are receiving from God through you, through the Holy Spirit. Especially if the person is receptive to it. The goal isn't to vanquish, but to reconcile and bring to God. Even through this massive crazy war. Because Paul says, we ain't fighting just against people. We're fighting against demons, principalities, things that are supernatural. And I believe that because of the way that evil is so rampant in this world today, I just feel like evil has a deep, palatable, incarnated hold in this world to where some people are saying that only God can fix this. And some days, I feel that way. But if we go to verse 16, that will expand our understanding even further because we have to use the universal covering of God as a shield from fiery darts of haters. We have to do that. And we, and we have to use God's covering to keep us from ferocious temptation. So that we won't become haters ourselves. And when we are berated by the haters, we need the helmet of hope to protect our minds. And Jesus did this when he took that, that long walk to the cross. He had the support of God upon him to get him through that situation. And we can't ignore the haters out there. Because haters are a part of the world, but our faith, that spirit of God that we ask for to keep us through those situations, that gives us what we need to defeat evil. That gives us what we need to fight off the haters. Now, the Jewish New Testament scholars and John Wesley had some interesting things to say about the last verse, and that's verse 18. And the Jewish New Testament scholars said that verse 18 was a concluding exhortation of mindful worship and to reiterate the understanding of the Holy Spirit as a force that gives believers the ability to become conscious of divine power see that gives me so much hope right there and John Wesley has something really interesting to say about verse 18 and he basically says that this verse is about prayer and that prayer is our greatest weapon when it comes to haters because prayer is a catalyst for action let me say that again prayer is a catalyst for action according to John Wesley and I get so sick of hearing United Methodist pastors say those words as if they originally came out of their mouths prayer is faith in action those are the distinct literal words of John Wesley so prayer may be done repeatedly it has to sometimes because 
Jesus prayed repeatedly when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane. I know some people just pray like I prayed but there wasn't anything to happen. Don't stop praying especially if it's something that's needed or important to you or is your heart's desire. Don't stop praying. Don't just pray that prayer once. Pray it until you don't have to pray it anymore. When prayer is used to fight off haters, you are opening yourself up to divine ability. I know what you're thinking, Hip Hop Pastor Dean. What does any of that have to do with dealing with haters? Well, I'm going to tell you what it has to do with dealing with haters. A lot, actually. When young people have to deal with bullies, that's very taxing mentally spiritually and even physically because in a lot of cases bullies especially boys they do physical harm to the so i'm just gonna say it this is what we can learn about haters from this passage of scripture when people hate on us we have to depend on god's strength and not ours let me say that again when people hate on us we have to depend on God's strength and not ours. And we have to use all the tools available to us to deal with these haters. Look in your personal context. And look at the tools that you need to deal with the hater. Whether it's at school, at work, or in the community. Do what you need to do. Look at who you can report this stuff to. Like a legal regulatory body whether it's in the church at your job job choosing human resources through a grievance process and if it's in the community guess what go to the police do not be afraid to tell the police that a bully is messing with you especially if you're a young person why because when i saw kids being bullied in the neighborhood in dark hollow when i was pastor at McCabe Chapel United Methodist Church when I saw that especially if the kids went to our tutoring program because of the rapport that I had with the police that patrolled the community I told them to talk to the kid and the kids parents that was doing the bullying. Bullying got stopped because the police officer said this is against the law this can turn into an assault charge Okay, now the second thing that we can learn is what we got it going on. People who are haters, they work hard to do everything to steal our joy. I mean, these folks work hard to steal our joy. They will get other people involved in helping to steal our joy. And when you see this now, always remember who has more power than the hater. God always does. And the last thing that we can learn is we're going to have to wear our superhero suits, y'all. We're going to have to do that. Living in this world, we're going to have to put it on every day. Especially if we're believers. We need to use the spirit of truth like Tony Stark uses the arc reactor to power up his Iron Man suit. And I know that sounds cute and funny, but I'm being very serious. We need to be able to wield the shield of righteousness better than Steve Rogers. Falcon, 
or the Winter Soldier or any of the other people that have been Captain America. We gotta have it going on like that. Not only that, we need to be strapped and ready to fight like Black Widow and Yelena Belova. Always on alert and always ready. We have to be that way, especially if we're believers, but we have to be vigilant with our prayers. We have to be vigilant with the way that we study the Word of God and worship and we have to do that so we won't give into the dark side the way that Anakin Skywalker did because if we don't we can become haters ourselves and if you someone that's been hated on you know that's no fun so why become a hater because I'm telling you now I get hated on all the time and I'm like Cat Williams at this point. If I don't have haters in my world at this point, then I'm going to think that something is wrong. Because I get haters surrounding me all the time. Because if you don't have haters, you're not doing your job right. So in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, the hip-hop pastor has spoken. And I'm dropping the mic. To God be the glory.
Force be with you.